Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you hit the grades of your dreams at school, college, and university through the science of fast learning and lasting memory, the psychology of study productivity, and the secrets to great exam technique. And now your host, the Cambridge University trained psychologist who's dedicated his life to helping students study better and outsmart their exams, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome back to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. We're continuing our summer series on what I want to be when I grow up. This week, focusing on what it takes to succeed in the competitive world of law with lawyer James Sharp. James, thank you very much for coming on the Exam Study Expert podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, I think it'd be really helpful to start with a bit of an introduction to your life in law today. So kind of paint me a picture of what your, your working life is like. Yes, of course. Well, um, so I'm a barrister at the moment at a mixed common law set. Uh, that means we do uh, the sort of work which requires you to be in court pretty much uh, all the time. So I'm in court most days. Um, during the course of the week, I'll be in court in a different place normally over the course of the five days, normally morning hearings or afternoon hearings. I spend the rest of the day uh, prepping for you know my, the case I have the next day. Um, the areas of law it can be is a, a vast range. It can range from employment to personal injury to family to property. Um, sometimes within that, there's also drafting and opinion writing. Um, so drafting, that's that's where we draft things like pleadings. It's essentially, it's setting up claims, defending claims. And those will be done around my court appearances in, in evenings or, or, or in early mornings in, in, in chambers. So uh, um, and in terms of the courts I go to, I, I travel all over the country. So um, I'm in a different place uh, almost every single day. So that's my life in law, yeah. <laughs> Just to perhaps add a little bit of colour, um, and, and thank you for that, by the way. Any particularly interesting cases, to the extent you're able to, to talk about them in, in, in recent times? The, the more interesting cases, the multi-day cases, the way in which it's structured is sometimes you'll have things like first hearings, which is when you just arrive at court and you just set up directions for how you're actually going to progress cases. Lay out the framework, I suppose. For how Lay out the to... framework for what's going to happen. Um, then there are other cases where you're trying to resolve issues, try to narrow the points in dispute. But ultimately, in this, in a lot of these cases, is there will be particular points which require a judge's decision, um, and that may require oral evidence from witnesses, uh, submissions from the uh, from the barristers involved in the case. Because obviously, there's there's very rarely just one barrister involved in this case. So there's a few of us arguing it out, and that can take place over over a period of time. So I think the longest case I've done was nine days, um, and that was nine days that spread out over the course of a year. That particular case was a was a constructive trust case. It involved what does that mean? Constructive trust. It was it's so it's a it's essentially working out who owns what in in a particular property. And we use all these fancy terms like resulting trusts and express trusts and proprietary estoppel and all these various things, <laughs> all these various complex legal legal terms. But essentially at its heart, it's trying to work out who owns what in a property, which is remarkably difficult, especially in this particular case where we're going over about 20 years worth of uh, activity. And that required the evidence of several witnesses, very long arguments in front of the judge and the judge making a ruling on, on quite a complex area of law. Similarly, I've done other multi-day trials, which involved like where do children live, for example. So those are, those are family matters. A lot of emotion behind those, I guess. A lot of emotion involved in it. Um, I've done things like constructive dismissal cases, which took a few days, and this was up in Leicester. So that that's someone being fired, 
I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, I said, well, it, constructive dismissal is a bit more complex than that because you actually quit, but it's um, but you, you're you're quitting in such a way that you're saying essentially I was fired. You were forced out. Precisely. So it's a very difficult thing to prove because uh, at its heart you quit. So <laughs> trying to work out that uh, trying to say you were forced out is quite a tricky thing. But that was a very interesting case involving uh, aspects of sexual discrimination uh, and and workplace bullying actually. Gosh. So, uh, but that I mean just that 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 sort of insight demonstrates I suppose uh, just the the, the wide range of stuff that I do at the moment. So that those are those are three very distinctive areas of law, property, family, and and employment. There. So, uh, but those are some of the more interesting things I've done recently. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Just before we, we leave that, most ridiculous thing you've uh, you've heard in court? <laughs> um, someone opening their laptop in order to make their submissions and hearing the James Bond theme tune play out. Um, <laughs> I, they certainly, I, they'd obviously been listening to it outside of court, and <laughs> no one has actually noticed. Or really. <laughs> and they obviously, and turned the sound off. Very silly, very silly chat. Okay, uh, let's let's take let's take people back to the beginning. Let's wind back the clock to James as a young young lad, sort of growing up. <laughs> uh, what what was sort of on his mind in terms of career aspirations? in 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 school days uh, so so we're talking like pre-university pre-a levels that yeah 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 i guess as far back as your your first thoughts about that question what what do you want what to be when you grow up yeah, um yeah. well i mean the the, the 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 truth is i never thought about being becoming a lawyer at that stage um i was uh, i mean the, the thing i always wanted to be was an actor that was always the, the main thing i always wanted to do uh, and and to try out uh, but as i was getting older and older i suppose you know I was starting to take advice from lots of other people. And one of the pe- main people I took advice from was my father. And my father tried to convince me to become an accountant. Okay. Um, I do remember telling my teacher this. And my teacher was so, sh- so shocked and appalled that I would d- choose to, to, <laughs> to become an accountant. Uh, <laughs> and she said, James, you need to go away, think about this a bit more, uh, and decide what, uh, and uh, find something a lot more interesting to do. Not, not, not to denigrate account. My father's an accountant. That's why he told me to become an accountant. Many fine um, accountants in the world, for sure. Very fine, fine accountants. <laughs> I mean, the point about it, I think, was uh, lots of job security and all that sort of stuff, uh, especially since I was telling my father I wanted to be an actor, which had no job security whatsoever. But suddenly it got to a stage where, certainly when I went to university, suddenly by that stage, I had no idea what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I suppose that it, it's fair to say that I was just going to go to university to, uh, and just uh, see what, what came my way. And that's almost how the law sort of evolved out of that it's sort of uh, it's almost like i fell into it as opposed to uh, properly decide that it was the area of uh, the thing that i wanted to go into yes but ultimately chose it because it appeared to combine a number of things that i that i really liked about about working so reading things reading a lot of stuff forming arguments and actually performing one of the main things obviously i'm in court all the time so it's uh, so it's uh, so there's a there's a lot of opportunity for performance there's an old saying around the inns of court that uh, barristers are all frustrated actors so it's uh, <laughs> because instead they're they're playing to the judge and the jury as opposed to uh, on the boards as it were but uh, but certainly when i was growing up i don't i don't think i had anything well if i did i can't remember whether i had anything any particularly strong aspiration and any particular uh, roots, which may explain why I ended up reading uh, reading history, which is such a general subject, actually, and doesn't lead to any particularly defined defined job at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with the sort of school era for a moment, so kind, mm. of, kind of pre pre university. Um, yeah, sure. 
would you describe yourself as a motivated student in the classroom? Were you quite quite dedicated to your studies? That is very true. I worked I, I worked incredibly hard. Maybe maybe a little too hard uh, when I was at school. Very very, very motivated. I'm just curious. I mean, wh- where do you feel that drive to to succeed to do well came from? Um, I'm not sure. I suppose the thing is, I just like being praised an awful lot and being uh, <laughs> being told told great, great James. That's that's really good work. That that's good. Um, I also I, I suppose the other thing is that uh, at school I was never particularly I wasn't particularly sporty or anything like that. So I wasn't able to show off on on the sports field or, or get or get praised in that sort of way. The thing that I was good at was was reading and writing and uh, and um, absorbing information. And I suppose actually that that's that's sort of the point. It's not so much a drive. As such, although I suppose I was driven uh, in a way, it's, uh, but it's that uh, just the acquiring knowledge and finding out new things I always found endlessly fascinating. So actually, that's what, one of the reasons I, I did work so hard. I actually enjoyed learning new things. Um, I loved I loved loved learning new facts. I remember one of the things that I I loved doing at school was to list all the kings and queens of England <laughs> in order and give the dates as well. It was something which I which I just quite enjoyed doing. I, I can see um, why you I were enjoyed... such a hit in the playground, James. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, no. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and um, and I loved learning learning lists like that. And I, I mean, I I just remember it's uh, at home. It would be um, I'd have lots of general knowledge books all over the place, which I just just be reading reading uh, voraciously and so, so. Amazing. You chose to study history at uh, university at college. Um, why? Um, well, history was always. Well, it's actually it's actually a little weird. Um, at A level, I did mainly science subjects. The only art subject I actually studied was was history because I did double maths and chemistry and all these things. I always assumed I'd be reading sciences like either mathematics or or natural sciences at university, but I'd always kept history. Uh, as the other subject that I want, uh, uh, as the other, as my other A-level stu- subject, because it was it was the one that I actually found the most interesting. Um, I loved reading stories, historical stories, which read like fiction but actually happened, which I found fascinating. Yeah. I just remember. Uh, a very, a, a very influential history teacher I had at Sixth Form College. When I told her that I wanted to, what I wanted to do to study at university, she said, "No, no, no, James, you've got to read history. You're too good at it, and this is, this is obviously what you love. You love having arguments, and, and actually, actually, the main thing I loved, I loved arguing with other people about historical events at, at Sixth Form College, trying to determine." you know, causal factors and things like that. And you can't really do that in science. Science is, you have to, you know, it's uh, it's quite defined what happens, uh, whereas history isn't. It's There's a lot of uh, scope for interpretation. And ultimately her telling me uh, in, in that very, very robust way, I think you'd be insane not to read history, sort of led me to, to, to apply to university for history. And I had a great time. I was there uh, re- reading it uh, and... Uh, yeah, oh, that's really interesting. So that's that's sort of that's sort of how I got got to history. That's sort of how I got away from science as yeah, well, yeah, which yeah. is I was assumed was going to be where I ended up. That's really interesting. So for for anyone in a sort of similar at a similar point in their life, so perhaps considering going on to study history at college at university, any tips both for the application process itself and performing well in that, and then also kind of what to expect when you when you do get to university. You've got to find you've got to find some topics. You know, obviously be coherent and in your essays and so on just be a bit novel i suppose as well novel in some of the arguments that, that you come up with or the or the or the interpretations that you make that's not to mean that you can't you push against what, what's actually there um but also make sure you read some academic academic works it's very easy to get drawn especially with history just reading a textbook and thinking that's you know that's that's the subject like reading 
I suppose if you were if you're reading the Tudors, reading Tudor England by John Guy, and just thinking now you know the Tudors. Yeah. Um, do read do read other interesting books on the topic because and then you and talk, and because then you're able to talk about them. It's uh, and you can easily find find them in bibliographies and things like that, and and cite them as well and engage with them. I, that, that's the main thing, sort of in the in in the application process. It's demonstrating an interest beyond what the that what the syllabus is, is at school is is um and also reading something something a bit novel i remember i read a, i happened to have read a book on social and economic history from the 19th century which had nothing to do with my my a-level subject but was apparently a very important work of historic of historiography and so i thought i i ought to i ought to actually read it um and i remember the my during my interview history my those those interviews were very impressed that i'd actually read it and even taken anything away <laughs> from it so it's really just reading reading around your subjects as much as you much as you can that's helpful in terms of the, what to expect at university you can ex- in history you can expect to read an awful lot uh, i mean you know in an average week i'd have to read three or four books probably a few more actually sometimes um and about a dozen essays that's that's an awful lot of reading you're reading about a book a day and also then you have to and, and certainly as part of my course you have to read write an essay at the end of the, at the end of a week of about two and a half two to two and a half thousand words so quite a substantial essay on a, on a new subject based on the reading and reading that you've done that's a very intense working environment and then having to defend whatever i'd written with an academic historian and it's, it's a very intense process sure. um, so you really have to enjoy reading it's it's the main thing i tell you <laughs> that makes sense the, ma- the main thing i remember about my history degree is just reading an awful lot so they are makes sense. <laughs> just tell me a little bit about your interests outside of history at university and, and how you how you both chose what to spend your time on and, and also get the balance right i suppose between your core studies and and all the other interests you had yeah, of course. Well, I, to be honest, I'm not sure I always got the balance right, but that's a different point. Um, so, um, yeah, I did an awful lot of extracurricular activities at, at university. But the the two big things I did was um, was acting. And as I said earlier, it's one of the things I, I always loved, loved doing. I think during the, my time at university, I did about a dozen and a half plays, which I acted in in the course of uh, in the course of my time there. So, so quite quite a lot. And the other main area I did was was politics. So I was part of a uh, I was part of the Cambridge Union Society, which is the big debating society uh, there i became vice president of it I, re- I ran for president didn't win that but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not bitter <laughs> and i went to lots of talks and debates and running in lots of elections i remember and running running hustings and votes and being tellers for votes and things so so, so an awful lot of those sorts of activities how i chose them I, to be honest I, I always knew i definitely wanted to do acting so um so i went along to the adc and uh that's the th- uh, main theater club in- that's the main theater thing in, at, at university i auditioned for loads of plays i remember actually during my first time i didn't actually get a single part in a play that was my first term uh, and then so it was only my second term that i started actually doing doing stuff and it's, so sometimes it's uh, it, it so it took a little bit of time actually for I that to, to come through i think that can be quite common um you know that transition yeah, to a much suddenly a much bigger pond not just academically but also in terms of all the other passions you've got and suddenly you find yourself no, up against hugely more competition than you had in your school days and you know that, that taste of rejection 
I think that's absolutely right. Um, and again, to be honest, the Cambridge Union Society was exactly the same. I, I, I ran in an election sort of in my first term, didn't get anywhere. And it's, and it's because I obviously I didn't know anyone at that stage. I didn't really know how it really works. So it took a bit of time. And um, because you're only there for three years, you have to learn very quickly how yeah, these things, yeah. things work. By my second year, everything was sort of running along quite quite swimmingly, as it were. But it, but it took a little time for that to, to come through. I mean, the other thing also there are so many societies and things to join and so it took me a little bit of time to work out what i really wanted to do now i chose end up doing two pretty obvious things i suppose but it took but but there were lots of other things i was quite interested in trying out like the journalism that you, you could do right right the student newspaper or um, or the more niche societies that you could do like i remember there was the handle operatic society for example right. which was which was fascinating so but um, i went along to a meeting i think but but obviously i, I realized it wasn't precisely for me because uh, everyone was a bit too uh, too knowledgeable of it as opposed to just enjoying sure. occasionally listening to some handle and uh, but but over time i realized it was those, those the two things that I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed most and so that's how I ended up doing them uh, quite solidly for the, the full time that I was there um, in terms of balancing it it's difficult um, mainly because terms can be very a very short intense periods you only got a few weeks um, you're trying to write an essay every single week and if you're doing a play for example it can muzzle along quite nicely for a couple of weeks, and then there's the perform. Then there's the week before the performance, when everyone's rushing around thinking, "Gosh, this this play isn't sorted. <laughs> when are we going to do? We've got to actually we've actually got to do a full run there." Uh, and then you actually got performances. You got performances every evening for a week. So those are tough times, and you're not going to work nearly as hard during those weeks. And I remember it, by the end, I I, I learned that if I was doing a, a big play, big performance, I'd have to just uh, cancel my my the, my my supervision that week and and have two another week or something like that so i rearranged my time a bit because i was finding it too tough to actually engage properly with an essay and actually produce anything that was uh, that was uh, of any 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 substance but you do muddle along um there are lots of lots of very late night reading sometimes you have to just force yourself to get up although i didn't really get up that get up early very very often when i was at university i do now <laughs> but I, at, at university i didn't sometimes it, just having to skim things a bit more to be a bit more particular in in choosing what you read and and and, and what you do but you learn you learn your own methods you learn your own working methods some people see, always seem to write overnight and I, which i could never really do because i just couldn't keep my eyes open but some people seem to thrive on that sort of uh, intense working pattern yeah i'm not sure i'd uh, <laughs> i'd ever counsel i would recommend the, it. Uh, i'm, not, I'm yeah. not recommending it but i'm just uh, i'm just saying lots of people have their own their own particular ways of yeah, ways of sure. doing it <laughs> um may have produced an output whether it was the the op the, output, the best yes. possible output is uh, perhaps perhaps another thing um, yeah, yeah. i've been reading a lot about actually been reading quite a lot about sleep recently and it's it's importance not just for you know general health but also specifically for consolidating your your memory i often find actually when i work now i what i do is i i would sp i specifically go to sleep to make sure i get a certain a ma decent amount of sleep and wake up mm -hmm. early and work then it's actually much better because actually it's amazing how uh, problems have resolved themselves when you when you wake up and you don't really yeah, quite realize yeah. it so, yeah. yeah no it's um it's a, it's a miraculous thing we we do every night <laughs> um look, looking back in in hindsight anything you think i've absolutely got that right best practice do that every time anything you think uh you know i might do that slightly differently if i if i have my time again 
I think one of the things which I really, really, which was really good about university and so on, and I, but to be honest, I think lots of people get this right, is it's um, building up relationships and networks with people who you know, will crop up yeah. in your life again and again and again. So as I said, I did lots of lots of acting, lots of lots of lots of theatre, a lot and lots of politics and so on, and those people have all moved to London and they've all got very good jobs. It's really nice bumping into them at drinks receptions and, uh, and parties and things, but also they crop up at work as well. There's a great thing about, law is of course is that you don't just have to do a law, a law degree in order to become a lawyer and so the number of times i go to i go to court and i see people i recognize from university or, or did things with at university and, and and you can say hello and and sometimes you even be against them in court and it aids aids that sort of working environment so it's building up building up networks of, of friends and and other people that you just know and i see i think I, I think i did that quite quite well at university and i certainly love that aspect of it as for things I regret, as I say, I, I was I sort of touched on it earlier. I didn't always get the balance right at university between uh, working and extracurricular activities. That just takes time. Uh, but um, to be honest, though, I don't regret anything I did do. So it's disingenuous of me to say that that's actually something I did wrong. So it's uh, so because I certainly did. I would I certainly wouldn't necessarily do anything anything. I wouldn't give up anything that I did do. I suppose it's I suppose it's about good timetabling and so on. And if you've got to read a book, don't procrastinate. Actually, just sit down and actually do it. It's very easy to procrastinate. Uh, but that's a that's a general life for skill sure. as opposed to a general university skill. I for think. sure, no, <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Good. Okay, so you're coming out of university the other side. You're you're looking into you're looking mm. ahead into uh, I think a career in law pretty much straight away. So, well, it's a bit, a bit, a bit of a, I, I did it in a bit of a roundabout way. So when I left university, I still wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. And actually, I, I suppose the best way to describe it is that um, I, because I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do, I wanted to do more studying. And so doing the GDL, it's the, it's the law conversion course. So it's the, the course for people who don't didn't read law at university and it's a year-long course and I thought this this actually sounds fantastic why don't I go and read law for a year so I went and did that uh, straight away and um, to an extent I actually got a bit scared of it by the end of it because there were lots of people there who were very motivated and knew exactly what they wanted to do and I was always a bit unsure a bit unclear uh, first about whether I wanted to be uh, a barrister or a solicitor, but also about whether um, what as areas of law I really wanted to do, and that's in, re in retrospect I realised, um, and and from talking to lots of new younger barristers and uh, and solicitors now, is that actually that my feeling was very common um, because you've never studied law before, mm. so why on earth will you know which area of law you wanted to do? Why will you know? whether you want to be a solicitor or a barrister, what aspects of those professions you actually want to do. That takes a bit of time, a time. And a lot of people do the law conversion because they think law is a very stimu intellectually stimulating profession. It's it, it pays well, it's got good good job security and all those all those all those really nice things that you want from a job. But you don't you, you're not going to know specifics about it until you've actually started doing it. The way it works is after you've done your academic law degree, that's either your undergraduate law degree or the law conversion course, you do a, a year long sort of practical uh, degree uh, qualification. It's either the, the bar professional training course for, for barristers or the legal practice course for uh -huh. solicitors, where you learn sort of the practical aspects of it in, the, in a classroom. I took a break between those two two aspects. I uh, I moved to London. I did a master's degree in medieval history, so I went back to history and did uh, and did a master's. I also started working in London um, for, for for a member of parliament actually. So I worked worked in worked in parliament for for for, for a little bit part time, which was a really great experience because that so that was another two years or so uh, overall. 
I decided actually no I definitely do want to be a lawyer and I specifically want to be a barrister now um, and that's but that came from the fact that during that time I'd been able to do things like mini pupillages um, a summer vacation scheme so mini pupillages are where you go into a barrister's chambers and see barristers working for about a week or so a vacation scheme is where you go to a, a, a solicitor's firm and you spend about two three weeks uh, maybe a month following solicitors around and seeing the work that they do and you can also do that in different areas of law as well so you can actually see how it works in practice and that was a very valuable experience for me it was also very valuable frankly to get a bit more life experience away from away from uh, sure, academia sure. So then I went to the bar course and that's and then from then on, I, I, I sort of did every stage in, in a quick succession. So I did the bar course, uh, did pupillage and now I'm a tenant at my at my chambers. So a tenant is a self-employed pra- barrister in private practice. Uh, so, yeah, that was a bit as a bit of a roundabout route. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, one of the things one of the things I love in there is something I quite often hear, you know, to, to use an analogy, maybe I think I'm going to really love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh yeah. But which flavor am I going to love most? Is it going to be <laughs> half baked or is it going to be cherry Garcia? You don't know until you've tried them Um being able to sort of create those opportunities to, to sample um, what you're going to do and, and, and try them and, and figure out what is right for you, I think is, is really, really valuable. James, that's, that's been fantastic. I mean, Amazing and congratulations on on getting to to where you are today. It's uh, an amazing amazing journey, and I know you worked very hard uh, along the way to, <laughs> to to get here. So many congratulations, and and thank you for sharing so openly sort of what was on your mind and and uh, the sort of insights and uh, experiences that led to that. Kind of summing all that up, if you um, if you were presented with a with a version of your younger self in your your, your teenage years, what would your advice to them be, both in terms of the academic side? and in terms of the the career path well certainly in the career path side is i don't think don't feel that you have to when someone says what do you want to be when you grow up because this is the thing i was saying when i was when i was growing up and i was i felt i had to Mm. had to say something be an accountant or something like that Don't, don't feel obliged to actually say anything it's really easy to think that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and to get sort of a bit, a bit hamstrung about that, about that um, without ever stepping back and thinking about the other possibilities that, that are there. Um, and also, to be honest, you, you shouldn't be expected to know exactly what you want to do at that stage. That's why I read history it's in, in the sense that I'm, I was not forcing myself down a particular route at any particular stage. But in order to be able to do that, you have to keep, you have mm. a bit of diversity throughout. So I, I, one of the things that I, I'm pleased that I did do was was A, a level to have a, a range of different different A levels. I appreciate that in certain professions, you, could, you, you know, if you want to be a doctor, you're going to have to do all those yeah. science subjects straight away. Don't pigeonhole yourself down a particular route too early on. Um, it's good to keep that that variety. Um, in terms of academics, uh, for things like professions and things like like being a lawyer, and so you've really you've really just got to work hard. It's difficult to uh, to, to to sugarcoat it and so on, but you've got to get those grades and you and you've got to do well at every at every stage academically. But don't let that be overpressurize you. Some people can mm. sort of burn out, I suppose, is the way. Uh, so so do make sure you you let your hair down uh, once in a while. As I said, I did I did loads of university i wouldn't trade it in for the world it was it was a it was a really great thing great thing to do so those would be my two pieces of advice i suppose don't don't get pigeonholed and don't uh, work hard but don't work too hard that that's a very trite point to, to end on but i suppose <laughs> but i think there's a lot of truth in it well, that sounds good to me thank you that's great
so look james thank you so much again for being so so open um and uh, and helpful in this conversation i, I think there's a lot of people who'll, who'll take a lot away from this so, so so thank you if anyone did want to get in touch or to, or to sort of find yeah. out a bit more about uh, you and what you've 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 been up to what would you suggest so um I, I'm a self-employed barrister. You can find uh, my, I have a, a page uh, on my Chambers website. I'm at Fortitude Bedford Row, and that sort of explains the sort of legal work that I do. And you, it also gives you ideas of how to, and it also lets you get in touch with me. I'm more than happy to reply to emails and so on about uh, from people who've got questions or anything like that. So uh, so that's where you can find me, James Sharp with an E uh, at Fortitude Bedford Row. That's where I am. Fantastic. James, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review for our show in your podcast player.